Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast, the podcast for all things operations. Hello, Be Awesome listeners and Operate Intelligently listeners. This is a dual shared podcast by yours truly, Joshua Peach, founder of Be Awesome and corporate evangelist for Dude Solutions. I'm excited. I've got a guest here today that I've had before. Uh, I've actually had twice, though actually so. technically three times with the panel uh, that you that you hosted. That's right. That's right. So uh, I've got the Dude Solutions CEO, Ed Rossich, with me today. We're going to dig in on uh, a number of different things, and this is going to be a take on the Dude Solutions. Who are you and what do you do? Ed actually started this uh, a couple of years ago, and it was intended for uh, internal sharing of getting to know the team uh, at, at Dude. And to give a little backdrop and a little backstory, because I haven't shared it with Be Awesome listeners and Operate Intelligently, uh, you've heard heard me talk a couple of times, but a little bit of history on Dude. Uh, Dude's 20 years young. Uh, we started, I started here in 2004 as a door-to-door salesman, basically, for a company that had uh, less than 400 clients, less than 10,000 unique logins, and we basically provided a work order system for facilities and uh, with preventive maintenance. And today, you know, we have a, a company that has 3.5 million uh, unique logins every day, 12,500 uh, stamps, if you will, or logos uh, stamped all over the all over the country and in some parts of the world. We um, we cover about nine billion square feet in in management of that space through our software, and uh, we're gonna what was it fifty million work orders? Yeah, we process a work order about once every one point four seconds, and if you do the math, it's about fifty million a year. Yeah, so we've gone places. We've yep. we've become uh, probably the player in most markets uh, in facility management software, and and going from that going from uh, a startup in a condo to 600 and ish, 625 employees with the, the, the number of folks that we support has got to be just uh, an amazing and stressful <laughs> opportunity for you. So we're going to talk about that. So first, welcome, welcome, Matt. I appreciate you Thanks, doing Peach. another another podcast here with us. I appreciate so, it. So let's let's start. Who's Ed? Who's head? Um, uh, depending on which personality that day you get when you ask the question, you know, I, got, I wear a lot of hats. Um, you know, uh, been the CEO here at Dude for a couple of years, been in the software space now for 25 ish. Uh, uh, married, couple of fuzzy dogs, uh, endurance athlete, uh, author, uh, voracious reader. I think that probably pretty much labels me. How much of that was easy for you? You know, I think uh, all of it has been uh, hard in its own way. Um, but, you know, I think it's sort of like lifting weights. You know, you, uh, you lift a 10-pound weight one day, you get good at that, you get to 15 pounds, 20 pounds, and all of a sudden, you know, you're bench pressing cars or whatever. So the, the struggle... Um, at the time is always hard, but then you look back and you, you say, you know, dude up, man. Yeah. Well, the dude up is right. And, and, you know, for me, when I ask that question is how much of it was easy to you. And, and it's not that I don't ever want to become a CEO for a company, but I was doing some, some brief looking and there's roughly 32.1 million businesses in the United mm. States today. 
that's corporations, S corps, partnerships, sole right. proprietorships. There's a lot of there's a lot of businesses. That's that's a, a small um, dry cleaner to you know SaaS, Apple, IBM, Uber. Apple, those those big companies. And um, I was looking, I was like, well, I wonder how many not not teams or anything, but how many people actually play basketball. It's twenty six million uh, soccer. Uh, 24 million, but 250 million worldwide, but 24 million in the United States. Um, baseball, 15.64 million. Football, there's about 2.1 million that play in high school or college level. And then hockey in the United States is 562,000. So not just individual players, participants of professional sports that everybody says, oh, I'd love to be a professional athlete right. uh, someday. They actually have, you have a better chance of being a professional athlete than a CEO in a large company, or in some cases, in any company uh, that would des- be deserving of a CEO. But in a little bit more digging, there's about less than 50 companies that have the, the, the size and the scale and everything that Dude has. There's less than 50 in the United States that have a CEO. Right? Yeah. No, I think that's right. Um, there's a uh, a survey that KeyBank does on software companies, in particular private software companies, and uh, the total that they've identified, it's like 425, and the dude is like 14th on that list in size. Yeah. So it's a it's a pretty sizable. Yeah, I said 50. I meant 500. So 425. Yeah. 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 Um, so so you're in a, you're in a pool of less than 500 individuals that are running a ship. Uh, of of this size and magnitude in the United States, so you're in you're in small company and you're in your top level company, uh, breaking the top top fifteen twenty. Um, so, t- I dis- I wanted to do this for a couple reasons. One, you did all these dude who are you and what do you do mm. for a number of months, and they were really cool, and you were digging into people and understanding who they were as a person. The other thing is. Uh, this week you did something that I've never actually experienced or seen, and I'm very fortunate to know a lot of CEOs, and I know a lot of them get in the trenches and, and, and dig and do, do these things. But you did something really kind of, in my opinion, cool. Tell us a little bit about that and why. Yeah, so uh, you know, the first two years uh, that I, I was CEO here, I'm coming up on my second year in about two weeks, um, I stayed in a, uh, it's not palatial or, or extravagant by any means, it's just an office like every other office here in the building, but up in a corner office on the fourth floor, you know, it's probably the right place for me to start. It was close to HR, close to finance. Um, uh, it was the office of, uh, of my predecessor, and so it just felt, you know, it was a good place to start. And then as, uh, as the first year or two uh, would go, you know, I'd find myself sitting in the breezeways. we got these breezeways that connect sort of like one tower of the building to the other tower. And I always enjoyed, you know, although I didn't get to do it as much as I'd liked, I always enjoyed doing that because I'd, I'd get to shake hands and people would walk up and, hey, I'm, you know, Jill from whatever department and, you know, uh, good to meet you. And so um, uh, I got the bright idea um, to, to move my office down to another floor of the building. And uh, I did that on Monday, and it's, it's been crazy good. You know, it, um, I actually did something like this back uh, two jobs ago. I was with sort of a startup, maybe a late-stage startup. We had about 115, 120 employees. We had this, like, one big massive floor and I was in an office, and I felt really isolated, and I was running the company, basically, as president. 
And um, I actually one day just said, F it, I'm putting my desk out in the middle of the floor, no walls. Um, I'm going to be in the middle. And it wasn't because I was like trying to micromanage anything, but it was just like, you know what? I, I you know, a hundred and some folks, I need to be really aware of what's going on, help here, um, you know, just get a vibe. And so as I was thinking about um, moving my office down to another floor, uh, the genesis of that that idea started, you know, back on that other job. And it, it's been great so far. Um, I've met uh, people that I hadn't met before. I've picked up, uh, you know, five or six useful bits of information that I didn't know while sitting up on the fourth floor that I've already started to exercise uh, uh, some help in some needed areas. And um, I've taken, uh, I, you know, I joke uh, with one of our, our directors, CJ, that, you know, I've taken a year lease out here on this floor and uh, some other neighborhood in the building is going to get me in about a year. Yeah. That, that was really something that I thought was, was really cool. Uh, but you, you touched on something that I, wanted, that I want to dig on is what you said, which is probably a lot of people's natural reaction, micromanage. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's doing this to micromanage me. First of all, you're a CEO that has to report to a board mm-hmm. that is responsible for 620-ish employees that are responsible for probably 2,000 families to feed total you know, yep. support and everything else, family members. Um, it's even that, more too, Pete. I'm sorry to take you off. Like um, our owners, eighty-seven um, percent, I think, is the number they gave me. Eighty-seven percent of their investment fund um, is union pensions, teacher funds, college endowments, and so um, as a CEO working for an investment group like that, and all the constituents you mentioned—you know, dude nation employees and families and partners. I feel a real like um, drive to make sure that we make money for those pension funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this your your play isn't like you're sitting in your desk like moving your fingers like this, being Montgomery like, Burns. Yeah, uh, where, yeah, where <laughs> Montgomery Burns? Where's where's my money and yes. who's getting it for no. me? There's no intention mm-hmm. in that. Um, you know, and one of the things that I find that's interesting, just personally from my experience with you, I've been very fortunate, and I think it was. Um, I'll tell the story real quick, and you've heard it. You know, on October 31st of 2017, that was my last day. I rushed from, it was Halloween, I rushed from uh, uh, Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin, to Chicago to catch a flight to uh, to take my son trick-or-treating. My fiance was, was three, you know, third late in her third trimester pregnant, and I was taking myself off the road for the rest of the year. And we had a town hall on November 1st that mm-hmm. morning where I didn't, think anything differently the ceo founder that we had i referred to as my best friend uh followed him and and would stand in front of a train for him for at that time 13 years and he gets up and he says we've got a a new ceo coming on board and his name is ed and you came up and you and you talked for a few minutes and i remember sending him an email while you were speaking i said is this the guy you know is this the guy that that you want that that's going to do that's going to take us to the next level uh, because we have to grow, right? Companies, I, when I had a water business, a spring water delivery business, my dad and I used to talk all the time about it and because uh, we, we worked together. And, you know, he used to always say, we have to keep growing. We have to keep growing because if we don't, we'll die. 
you know, if you stay at that same level, it, someone will eat you up or you will go out of business or eventually just through yep. attrition or whatever, you're going to lose, you're going to lose business and you're going to die. And so I did a lot of research. I mean, I was off the road. I had time. I think I texted you uh, that Saturday. I think the, the first was a Thursday and I texted you that Saturday from the Fuller Craft Museum, uh, sitting outside reading your book. I downloaded it. I couldn't wait for it to be delivered so I could get to know who Ed is. Mm-hmm. So you authored the book, The, the uh, Solid Handshake, uh, 13 Principles that you've lessons and learned stories that you've got mm-hmm. uh, about business integrity, just life integrity, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to know you throughout the last two years and, and you know, going and getting some windshield time with traveling and um, getting some speaking engagements. And I've watched you grow. It's kind of interesting to have someone say, I've watched my CEO grow mm. and be able to share it. But I watched you grow from talking about what we do to truly living and understanding and really emotionally tied. Your your presentation next week's going to be lights out. Like I was able to see it, but you're doing a keynote next week in Massachusetts mm-hmm. for 150 facility directors for public schools in, in, in Massachusetts. And the, what you put in your PowerPoint, never mind what you're going to say, is passion. You believe in what we do, mm-hmm. um, absolutely, and and, and with massive conviction. And I think that that's something that people should understand and think about. And also, I challenge the listeners, if there's dude listeners or if there's people out there that, that they're knee-jerk when you said you moved your office to the sales floor or to another section, if their knee-jerk was, oh, he's a micromanager or he's this, to shift your thought process, to think maybe a little bit differently, right? Yeah. Maybe think, does this guy have my best interests at mind? Um, you know, you take, the, you take the biggest bullet, right? Uh, people don't realize that in, in businesses. Just because you're at the top doesn't mean you're at the top. You, mm. it's it's kind it's of an inverted it's it's, pyramid, it's, an inver- it's an inverted pyramid. Yeah. You're a catch-all and then a report-all, and uh, and it's and it's a tough tough. It's a shield-all in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't imagine what you have in the back, hidden hidden in the in the vault, if you will, of things that you can't talk about or things that happen or stresses that go on, even making sure the lights go on in this beautiful building and, you know, all the way up to the fourth floor. I, I, tell me about, let's, let's shift gears. Let's tell me about that. What, what, first of all, what got you to want to be in that position? It, you know, it couldn't just be money. I mean, I'm sure that that's a good piece, yeah. a good piece to it. But, you know, what, what made Ed say, I want to be a CEO? And then what, what keeps you up at night? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the second question is probably easier on what keeps me up at night. Uh, on any given day, there's 15,722 things. Um, you know, last night I went to bed at 8.30 or so and woke up at 11.30. And for those of you who got email messages through till about 3 o'clock this morning, I was because I couldn't get to sleep, um, you know, thinking about, um, you know, certain business issues, uh, challenges we have with the business, all of them sort of rooted in making sure we got the right people lined up uh, against the right problems. You know, there's a difference between losing sleep over puzzles versus losing sleep over stress. Like, even though, um, you know, I get insomnia sometimes. It's more about because I can't shut my brain off of what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? It's not stress, if that makes any sort of weird sense. It does, yeah. Um, uh, 
The, uh, the first question, though, is what made me want to do this. A, a couple of thoughts on that. I think people, um, every five years, go through a motivational source shift. So think about it. When you're in high school, it's about I'm motivated to get to college or motivated maybe not to college, but whatever, uh, you know, get your career started. You get out of college say, I got to get my first adult job. That's a motivation. And then it's about money and then maybe getting married or having a family. And then by the time you get to, you know, to be 45, you're probably back in the, how do I, how do I harvest all the knowledge and experience I put into my career to make sure, um, you know, I want to be so crass to think about money, but uh, think about, well, I got to make sure I, I feather a nest for my, my 60 and beyond years. So, my career arc uh, has sort of followed that same sort of path. And I always told myself, like, I'm not going to be one of those people that are like knifing people in the back to climb a career rung uh, to the next ladder, ladder step. Um, uh, if it happens for me, it'll happen for me. And I've been so fortunate um, been lucky in a lot of ways to be at the right place at the right time with the right people with the right skill sets you know uh, spent five years uh, uh, five times I should say with you know JMI equity companies I went to another investment firm then this one um, the people along the way have, have given me advanced responsibility so I, I sort of ended up here yeah um, it wasn't like I uh, and I wrote down in a book or something, I will be a CEO by whatever age. Yeah. What's that buzzing noise? Is that the coffee machine? I don't know. We, we, get, we opened Did up you, a dentistry next you, door. You, you found like, yeah, I was going to say, it's like, for those of you that hear that in the background, it's like a jackhammer and we're actually in the conference room next to Ed's office. Yeah, on so, the third floor yeah. too, which is sort of weird. Yeah, kind of interesting that, that this is the space that you got picked for uh, for you. It would give you the, the noisy jackhammer area. That's Interesting you say five years. I took five years to uh, graduate high school. Most people do it in four. So I would like to say that most people, if that's the case, didn't take their full five years to figure out what yeah. they want to do in that, in that stretch of time. It took me 11 to graduate college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm still working on it. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out an honorary degree, I think, I'm uh, at, at some point. But, uh, you know, something interesting. So I got here this morning uh, early. And I took your parking spot. I think I told you a little bit about. I took your parking spot because yeah. you have. A I don't park- have a marked parking yeah. spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just, but it's Ed's spot. I mean, you're the first. You're the first one here. Every time. every time that I come to the office, um, you're you're either here already or you're here within a matter of minutes. And if you didn't have an incident spilling your coffee this morning, uh, I think you would have beat me. Yeah. Um, but I, I talked to some young folks yesterday about understanding you know, what your, what your realistic expectations are. Mm. And the realistic expectation is for you to be able to be the leader of this ship, you can't come in at seven fifty nine, eight o'clock mm. and leave it at 445 to miss the Regency Parkway traffic. Right. I mean, you're, you're grinding and you're here. I mean, you're, you're visible, you're here, you're in meetings, you're emailing, you're doing all this stuff. And so, you know, how do you, I guess, one of the things is, you know, working eight to five Monday through Friday. Sales is a little bit different. Most of your your roles, yeah. eight, eight to five Monday through Friday. It's an expectation that your performance actually get paid. It's game time. Get it. But there's a lot of stuff that people should in all in all aspects of life. But sales definitely because we're on the sales floor. 
everyone should be building themselves professionally, investing in themselves. Absolutely. What are what are some what are some Ed's things that you've invested in yourself? What are some programs? What are some books? What are some yeah. podcasts? Like, what would you if if someone was coming into the workforce? Because it doesn't matter what. Yeah. I think I think the investment and the and the buckets of ideas, whether it's mm-hmm. professional development, personal, whatever. What are some some Ed's best experiences yeah. and suggestions? Well. Um, you know, it's so funny. Uh, I think you and I, maybe I uh, can remember five months or so ago, we were just talking about old school, you know, you'd pop the uh, Brian Tracy sales cassette into yep. your cassette deck in your car. Um, maybe you had a, a, a video or something like that to watch. But, you know, content is f- so available, so free, so prolific, so many channels that you can access it. Um, and it's painless, you know, you could be listening to a podcast or a book on tape, um, the audio piece of a TED talk, all in the comfort of your car as you're driving in or while you're running or, you know, playing instead of watching, uh, the news in the morning, uh, you could be playing in the background. Um, I listen, uh, to at least 10 to 15 hours of podcasts a week. Now I might play them depending on who's speaking at one and a half times so I can shorten a little bit. Um, I read uh, voraciously. Um, one, it, it's entertaining to me, but uh, it's sort of like downloading new software into your cranium. You know, uh, I was, well, you were you were here this morning. I, I copied a couple pages of a book to give to one of the guys because he and I had a chat yesterday. It reminded me of this book chapter. And like, I, I you know, probably read, uh, I have a goal every year of 50 books. I'm probably uh, right on pace for that this year. And uh, you really try to do that. Um, I, I watch YouTube videos, I watch TED Talks. I also learn uh, from from people who I work with, you know, uh, some of the people, all the people, in fact, probably, um, know more about their jobs and know more about their disciplines than I will as CEO, which is another misnomer. People think I know everything. Uh, I, I better not know more about developing code than our engineers, because that would we, we would be in a bad spot. Um, marketing, so, you know, you sign yourself professionals. I'm always learning from folks that I work with. So I think... Um, you know, if I'm if I'm talking to new folks, like you, you know, uh, you say it a lot, uh, 168 hours a week, or you know, I like to say 1,440 minutes a day. Uh, man, carve out carve out an hour or uh, every day to to learn something, and that's the only way you you get out there. The other thing I'd say is just get out there and experience it. You know, I think especially in sales, there's call reticence. So, man. Uh, I'd, I'd rather uh, do something that feels good, like look up names than actually dial names. And, you know, in sales, you got to get your nose bashed in 50 times. And then that 51st time, you know, you hit the ball straight and long. And you're like, okay, that's yeah. cool. So read, podcast, get out there. I think that's a balance, which is a, which is a great yeah. way to put it. You know, you've done a lot here um, that has impacted not just the business that we do, not just the sales that we make, not just the the lights that go off and on, but I mean, you've looked at everything all the way down to working with the office manager to management team to remove all the styrofoam and plastic cups and provide insulated aluminum, you know, water bottles and coffee cups 
to reduce the impact on the environment of the 250,000 cups that we went through. I mean, you've, you've done that. You worked with a team for that research to see, hey, how many cups did we buy that went in the landfill? Is there a way for us to prevent it? At a pretty exorbitant initial cost. I mean, it's going to save you t- money over time, but that wasn't the, the reason why we did it. You've done countless things like that, and it circles back to what you said I don't want to be if I'm if I'm smarter than our developers or if I'm smarter than any single department or box, yeah. we're screwed. I am yeah. the CEO, but I'm not the smartest guy in the room all the time, which is a huge misconception. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about trust. Cause that's I mean, you had to put trust in Dana or whoever, mm-hmm. Lynn and the or, or Pam or whoever it was that was that, that came to you with that research. I mean, something as simple as that, you had to put trust in they did their homework. They did their work. The information that they shared with you is accurate and right, and you'll stand in front of whoever you need to to share that story because that's really yeah. what you're. I don't want to say you're a storyteller, but you're you're a sharer of all of the stories collectively of this entire company. Yeah. How important is trust? Oh, it's uh, it's the core bedrock, and we've actually invested a lot of money um, at the leadership level, and, and you know, obviously, it'll cascade down um, as we as we get good at it, but just investing um, in training around trust. Um, I'm going to hit that in a second. I'm a collector and prioritizer of good ideas. I Very few times have I been the one to say, that's what we should do. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, I'll be in a meeting or a dude or a client or someone will say man it'd be great if we could dot 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 and you know we'll debate talk about it um and in the end it's like holy smokes that is a great idea we should probably do that and how does it sort of stack up in the priority um the the trust element um is is so critical um business life uh, it's hard enough uh, data flying at you decisions you have to make variables you can't control but when you introduce the element of dishonesty or or uh, motivational lapses like I'm going to do this for mm-hmm. selfish reasons or whatever reasons that's when s- stuff falls apart and if uh, one person um, violates that trust barrier. What I've noticed uh, through my years of, of being around people and leading is, hey, once somebody breaks the seal, everybody armors up. And then that's when you start getting all sorts of politics and people polishing reports and not reporting bad information. And that's when companies, I think, start to fail. And if you can create an environment of trust, uh, and trustful debate, healthy conflict, as, as our coach Bud likes to tell us, um, you can solve a lot of problems. And, um, you know, I don't want to be that leader where people are afraid to come up and say, dude, uh, this went sideways on us for fear of getting their head bit off. Now, there are times where I might be like, oh, crap, I can't believe that, you know, just a human reaction but I never want people to be afraid of me making it personal, you know, you know, Josh, I can't believe you did that, you knucklehead, or, or you know, don't come to me with this bad information, uh, because that, that violates trust this direction. I often say to people, if you try to blow one past me and BS me, it gives me the right 
to not trust you. Therefore, therefore,ward, same thing. If I blow one by you intentionally or try to do that and I do something dis, dishonest, you have the right to dis, distrust anything I do from that point out. And as CEO, people can't trust you. You're, you're screwed. Yeah. But you, from day one, have had this, you know, if you want to tell me something, uh, it's a vault. I, yep. I, I don't know what I don't know, and I'll do what I can. But if, the, if you're just going to me as a soundboard for advice or if you want my mm-hmm. opinion, I give it, I'll give it to you. And you and I, again, we've had a couple of occasions where we're out off-site going to a, a speaking engagement or something, and we got deep into talk about, about things, and I have felt very much comfortable saying hey ed this is what i think here's 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 where my challenge with what's yep. going on is and and i don't know that it means anything but this is how i feel this is emotionally how i feel not i don't expect you to do something and you put thought into it and you said hey don't worry about it it's it's with me it stays here but i totally understand where you're coming from yep. and i and i believe that and i think that that's something that is fairly unique sadly it's fairly unique mm-hmm. to have that that trust You've put that the the people are the most important piece mm-hmm. to the business, where most people would look at us as a tech business that sells software, and you know we've got all this stuff. You've always put people first, and I think that's important. When in your life did you did you have that? Did you have an aha moment? Did you know about it? Like, did you were you born and said people are our greatest asset, and that's what we need to do? Did you have anything that happened in your life that's like? You know, so uh, I think it's been an evolution process. If you would have met me and, and people that know me from this period of time, say 2000 to say 2007, I'm not sure you'd, you'd be so kind um, with that statement around people being the asset. Um, I, I made a lot of mistakes on people. Um, how I've conducted myself as a leader, um, treated people, and every every um, lesson has taught me to up my game and, and set expectations. The other thing I think it's going to be a little bit weird, at least for me. You know, I'm 55. Um, seems like as I get older, um, you know, I get a recognition that it's you know life is more about people. But I will say for the software space and the the big aha moment is when you think about software, and I've said this in the building and and maybe on another podcast or two, but when you think about software, it is the most people intrinsic business on the face of the planet. And I'll, I'll, I'll debate this with anybody who wants to get into it, but think about software. Ideas are created by people, alchemized to keyboards by people marketed, sold, implemented, supported, um, invoiced, uh, anything that you can think of, all by people. And if, you know, sure, technologies come and go and um, uh, ar- uh, architecture platforms come and go and, and, you know, CPUs come and go. But at the core element, if you got good people, they just adapt and move on and evolve. If you don't get the people thing right, doesn't matter what kind of technology you have in the background; it's just going to flop. So I, I've really learned that people is the are the essential assets to a software space. But you mentioned something that's that's kind of big on, on professional development. 
just about every book that you've suggested to me, you know, Principles, Ego is the Enemy, uh, Marcus Aurelius, you know, all these, these different books that, uh, that you've suggested that I've read or listened to just about all, um, you read them multiple times. Yes. And sometimes multiple times in, the, in a year. Like, mm -hmm. wh why? Um, I can't remember the uh, famous person who said, better to read one book 50 times than 50 individual books. And I, uh, I read that quote maybe two years ago, and, and um, it just hit. And so now I'm, I'm into reading books. Like I've read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius 12 times maybe. Ego's the Enemy probably six times. I back-to-back -back read Stillness is the Key twice in two weeks. And the reason I do that is repetition. I catch things that I maybe uh, uh, I got squir you know, squirrel attention deficit, you know, squirrel when I was reading the book and didn't, you know, didn't finish a paragraph fully. Or maybe a point hits me differently. And what I've found over the last two years is... I'm more able to implement an idea that I might have read seven times versus, oh, that's an interesting idea. Move on to the next page. Mm -hmm. So let's let's wrap it up. Any yeah. final words from me? Anything that, uh, how can people get a hold of you? You, got a, you do have a great LinkedIn presence. I mean, you've, yeah, got, you've got some incredible content. Um, Twitter, LinkedIn, for those that aren't. Yeah, I spend most of my time on... Uh, my external uh, uh, work on social networking is almost 100% LinkedIn. It's Ed Rosich, R-O-S-H-I-T-S-H at LinkedIn. Um, thank you for that. Um, you know, email address ed.rosich at dudesolutions.com. Um, final words, no, I'm just very thankful uh, and grateful for Dude Nation, the employees here, uh, the 3.5 million people that log in, uh, trusting the dude, um, thankful for our investors. Uh, you know, not a day goes by that I'm not sincerely grateful for all the, the people that are threaded through this whole thing. Yeah. And we're hiring. And we're hiring. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one thing that we've consistently been doing, yeah. uh, as we've always, we've been hiring. So definitely if, uh, you're looking for an opportunity and we have offices now yep. uh, we've made some acquisitions so we're in we're in toronto we've got an office in colorado we've got an office in Palosbo. is that Palsbo. how you say Palsbo, suburb of seattle. well yeah, it would, yeah it's a long suburb of seattle but you know we also have a very uh, open work from anywhere policy if you're a rock star and can work remote and it's the type of work that can be done remotely if you're in fargo north dakota hallelujah we can we can hire you if you're awesome yeah does it so uh, hopefully uh, the listeners for operate intelligently get something out of this it was great to be a part of that podcast here today and for the be awesome listeners uh, you know where to find me it's uh, beausm.com email josh at beausome.com listen to the podcast give a rating and review i'll give you something i got a couple coffee mugs left i've got uh, some t-shirts and if you want to do something really cool uh, there's five days left for the uh, Natalia Strong t-shirts. I'm doing 100% of 100 t-shirts. That's 100% of the sale. Every, every penny of every sale for 100 shirts uh, we're going to give to the uh, third annual Natalia Strong Night 
for for uh, SMA, which is spinal muscular atrophy. That was uh, podcast 34. So hoping to raise some great money for uh, in the name of a phenomenal little two and a half year old that is uh, stronger than than most, and just uh, touched my heart when I got to meet her. So in the meantime, if you want to be awesome, you got to do awesome. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast produced by Dude Solutions. You can reach us by emailing bspodcast at dudesolutions.com or check us out on the web at dudesolutions.com.